0: to the Hack Your Mindset podcast with me, Jenny Winterleach, the Mindset Hacker. So wherever you are today and whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to this, settle in and enjoy the ride. And welcome, welcome. Um, I have got the lovely Tracy Duncan with me this morning. Hi, Tracy.
1: Hello. Good morning, everyone
0: um tracy i met a few years ago and i just love her ethos so tracy very much shares my opinion on horses which is that there isn't one thing that's right for everything it's whatever's right for horses but in order to know that you have to have learned about lots and lots of different things to know all the available options and tracy's very much the epitome of that so um tracy is a horsewoman and an inventor and an instructor and um and she's also an online teacher. So, well. she's got courses online with us as well. Um, so, Tracy, tell us a little bit about yourself and what is your ethos? What is it all about for you?
1: Um, so, for me, ultimately, it's about the horse coming first and working with them in a way that makes sense to them, that they understand, not always. Following a simple system that one size fits all, you're always going to meet one horse that throws that rule book out the door, and you have to look outside the box and go, "Hang on a minute, I need to approach this from a different angle, a different approach, different way." Um, what do what do they need? Um, and for me, it all kind of started because I was looking for uh, a second event horse after my older girl kind of started to slow down and needed to retire, and uh, I bought. Uh, a little horse, he was he was fab, all was going well. And then I had a really quite horrific accident on him. At the time I hadn't known what had caused him to have such a violent reaction. And hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? And then I was in pro- quite a bad uh, state, which my kind of recovery, I'd got to where I could get back on him, but I, I really didn't trust him. Like I was, I felt like I wasn't fair on him because he'd flinch and i would flinch and i thought this is not a healthy relationship for either of us i can't be the best version of me for him someone else is gonna ride him without the history and and have he's gonna have a nicer time and it just wasn't doing us any favors but my challenge was my injuries were quite horrific and i thought who is going to buy him when they see the state of me so I managed to find a dealer that was happy to take him on. And I disclosed everything. I'd kind of said everything had happened. Um, and I was riding him again. It just wasn't fun for either of us. And um, me being me, I am often drawn to, like, the kind of hot-headed flighty horses. And I looked on his yard, and he was happy to do a part exchange. And there was this mare in the back of her box, and she looked kind of wired and eyes on stalks. And I said, "Oh, can I see her loose jump?" And they were like, "Yep, yeah, fine." And they spun around their their round pen where they loose jumped them. She like was jumping the moon. I thought, "Fab, she's got a cracking jump on her." And I was like, "Oh, can I see her ridden?" And the groom was like, oh, "I'm not riding her. She's not been ridden for three days." And again, very much, I was in my eventer mentality back then, and I thought, "Just get on her. What's wrong with you?" And anyway. The poor lad's boss made this groom get on, and the groom was like white as a sheet. And he kind of rode her for five minutes and got off very quickly. And then was like, "Do you want to ride her?" And I was like, "Yep, cool." And she was really, really hot, hot headed, but I quite liked that. The dealer did disclose that she had been returned five times within the space of a month. That he had sort of sold her, and then she'd come back. And he gave me a few sort of legit reasons of like, "Oh yes, well, um." actually someone else wanted her to be in the six-year-old classes and actually the dentist told her that she was seven and so I kind of was like oh okay, okay and thought well, whatever um and anyway even getting her home it was quite obvious like in the trailer it was one of those journeys that I just was like just want to get her home and make sure she's still alive when we get her out but at the other end you could just hear us scrambling and panicking and really quickly when I got her home it was really apparent as to why she'd been returned very very quickly and probably why the groom didn't want to ride her as well she used to do like the wall of death around her stable at the speed of formula one car she would literally canter round the banks of her stable you'd be trying to muck out around her and she just the red mist descended and it she wasn't even like it was there was no malice in it she just couldn't think she was like Another horse has been turned out and I've not been turned out. And leading her to the field, if a pheasant came out of the bush, there was just no spatial awareness, she'd knock into you. Um, and then riding-wise, she'd go past the mountain block at the speed of light, and I'd literally like throw myself on board as she went past. But the thing that kind of led me to sort of thinking outside the box with her was she really, really violently reared. And I'd already had a really horrific accident. I didn't need um. second one she was meant to be a part share with my sister and I was like worried that if my sister came just to hack her she was not by no means a safe hack um and so she's what kind of made me look outside the box because you know she was dangerous I had other people to go and just shoot her you can't sell her on and I was like no I've just got to find a way to understand that I knew it wasn't malice and the vet didn't think it was pain so she's what made me look outside the box to go, I need to change how I'm training. I need to find something to, for me to be better for her. And um, I ended up going to see a guy that's kind of like a horseman. Um, I think he kind of puts himself under that bracket. And what he gave me was sort of tools to, I started to spot what happens before the rears. So I was able to sort of micromanage her and I could spot what happens before what happens happens. And I would be able to interrupt her and keep all four feet on the floor, which was much more pleasant. But she was still a really hot, tight horse. Like I hadn't really got to the mind. I was controlling the feet, but I hadn't got to the mind. Um, but that started to kind of put me on this journey where I was starting to look outside the box a bit more and going, OK, there is some stuff that I can do that's a bit different to how I have been training. But it wasn't until I went to work for a lady that she wanted me to start her sports horses and that she'd been she'd had some really nice breeding that she'd would she done and wanted to start them and sell them on. And when I went to work for her, she was producing her own line of dressage horses and she would just started um, some groundwork um she just kind of started the introductions of pirelli and i looked at it and i was like you can keep wiggling your ropes and i'll just carry on doing what i'm doing with my guys and i really wasn't sold by it at all um but anyway she took me along for my birthday and i always smile because she bought me tickets for my birthday to the celebration and i was really like okay yep i'll go remember thinking i'm really not bought into this but um i ended up going along and i was actually blown away when i saw it done at a really high level and they were what they were demonstrating i really realized that actually if i could have a relationship like that with wu i wouldn't be having all the trouble we were having because she was still really hot and tight and tense about life i was just able to control her feet a bit more and not have so many airs above the ground but i hadn't got to her mind i was just managing the um the feet so that massively was a game changer for me that I went there's this whole other world out there that I don't know enough about so I came back and threw myself into it and within about six months I started to have a really really different um horse a much happier horse a calmer horse a horse that could think learn I was able to read her better communicate with her better um and she's now the horse that has sort of toured the UK with me doing doing demos um And actually got back out competing because she was terrified of competing she was very nervous and would shake in the ring um to a horse that absolutely loves loves her job loves life really reliable my rock steady horse that i can just rely upon um you know she's now 20 so she's sort of leading a slower life but um she was the sort of catalyst for me sort of making a change to go i need to open my eyes to to looking outside the box a bit more and learning a bit more about communicating with them differently
0: wow that's amazing there's always that one horse or that one person that's like a catalyst mm. like really pivotal in life yeah. isn't it and i'd and love hearing yeah. the stories about that one horse that just would go nope not until you've learned all you need to learn no nope, yeah, until learned. yeah. And they're not consciously doing that obviously are they but they definitely come into our lives so that we
1: learn the yeah. next
0: thing now, you mentioned something there, which we're all a little bit like, oh, I don't know, you said the P word. <laughs> <it was. laughs> now, um, really? something that I did want to talk to you about, actually, is the fact that you don't mention that you you learned Pirelli and that you're a Pirelli instructor, yeah. because it's got a stigma around it, as have yeah. lots of things in the horsey world. Now, my yeah. you, I share the same ethos of you, which is uh, it actually doesn't, you don't have to follow something to the letter like you can take something and work out what works for you and there's bad and good elements of lots of ways of training yeah. so tell me about kind of let's let's have the discussion about why yeah. you don't mention the pirelli word to anyone even though look at what it did for your horse what's that yeah. all about
1: yeah so so for me um so i so with woo um i i had i had an instructor come and help me um like an incredible Pirelli instructor she's down from the southwest she came up and she she wasn't kind of a lot of people were kind of frightened by Wu's behavior and she kind of recognized that I was kind of happy to kind of get on with it so she she was like very supportive and she really supported me and she went you need to be an instructor she's like how you've managed this mayor, how you've turned her around you need to go and be an instructor so she was actually what kind of put me on the road to going okay just it hadn't hadn't crossed my mind um again, you kind of need someone to sometimes show that they believe in you before you kind of go, oh, yeah, I can believe in myself. So she pushed me to go down that road. So I went down that road and um, I spent, probably spent the best part of nearly six, nearly five to six months out in the States doing courses. Um, I got up to where I had my my third star and I really rate it for what it taught taught me about horses reading horses what it taught me about myself um how how I you know how we are affects them massively um and then I kind of got to a point in my horsemanship where I wanted to kind of I guess go back to my roots a bit more and again it's that self-belief and just trusting trusting enough what you know so it gave me a really good foundation for me then to go and flourish and I've spent the last few years kind of pulling from all directions of other people that I really am inspired by, really rate their horsemanship or just the way they are with their horses. Um, And Pat really strongly believes in, like, he wants his programme to be really pure and wants his instructors to purely teach what he believes, which you can understand from a kind of system point of view if he doesn't want it to kind of start to get modelled up with what other people are doing and so I made the decision to come away from it um, a couple of years ago so that I could just be be me because um, there's definitely bits a bit like everything there's bits that um, you you really like um, from something and there's bits that you're not going to like so much and for me as I kind of grew as my own sort of self with horses I found that I was more and more just being me and kind of making it my own so I felt that I needed to just go solo Um, and not renew my license with them but I am very thankful for what they what they gave me and um, I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't have gone down that road so I'm thankful for um, my time that I had with them and what I've been able to take from it and then allow that to blossom in my own way and
0: Um, that that's so true isn't it A, a lot of learning is you know when we create so I've got a system for instance, that I've created over the years yeah. that are, includes all of the modules and all of the elements that you need to understand a rider's mindset. And I'm starting to train people in that. So I have my own coaches. Yeah. Um. So people will, will go into that. And I was very much like this as well, well like, like you were with Pirelli, you know, you've got to learn the system, which means you kind of have to do it yeah. to the letter to begin with, to learn it.
1: Yeah.
0: But once yeah. you've learned something, you it, you don't, it, it doesn't matter then, like that's part of you, that's a part of you now, yeah. but it doesn't make it you,
1: Yeah.
0: you know, you aren't yeah. that thing, you are someone who's learned about it, and and it's so true as anything in the equestrian world, isn't it, that, you know, you can learn something, you can learn a system, you can learn a way of doing it, but it doesn't mean that's the only way.
1: Yeah.
0: And so tell yeah, us a little bit about, always evolving. yeah, so tell us a little bit about what you'd say your way is now then, that you've been through that journey and things.
1: So um, you hear a lot about kind of positive, negative reinforcement. um, And I think for me, like it's, again, it can be a bit of a taboo word, but ultimately kind of negative reinforcement doesn't necessarily mean, and I know know Jenny's had um, on quite a few of her podcasts had this actually explained correctly. So I won't go into it in depth, but negative doesn't mean punishment. But for me, it does make sense to, to the horse in the way that they understand. And I want to help the horse learn to be a puzzle solver because if they can solve puzzles, they become better learners. And ultimately, I want a confident learner. So quite often in my line of work, I either get like rehab cases. And in rehab cases, you get behavioral cases because they've been in pain. And then it can take them a while to realize it's not going to hurt. Um, And because it has hurt, they've become really unconfident learners because they go, I can't try because it's going to hurt. I can't try anything because it's just going to hurt. I can't do it. So as learners, they just go into flight or fight mode rather than for me ultimately. And I've had it like where I had my homebred. As a learner, he was phenomenal because he'd never had a negative experience. He'd never been put in a situation where he had felt overwhelmed where he'd had to go into fight or flight mode and he was so easy to teach stuff to and it wasn't because I just used positive reinforcement with him he'd had what I would class as negative reinforcement but done with fairness and with good timing and feel it helped him become a really good learner and puzzle solver and for me Puzzle solving is their ability to think through a situation. Rather than they're a prey animal, they are programmed to respond and act on adrenaline. And that's the beauty of the fact that a lot of us want to then go and jump round a cross-country course. We get to walk the cross-country course. We know what's coming. We get a little bit of going, well, I can prepare the cancer because I know I've got a ditch coming up, so I want to make sure they're not flat out so they get to see it before they jump it we get the opportunity to have that um, you know we can see ahead when we're when we're going across country they can't they are acting purely on instinct of like bloody hell there's a head I need to get my feet up and out of the way um and that's the beauty of the fact that we then get to compete them and enjoy them doing actually something that what is really natural for them but actually in their flight mode. Um, so for me, I want to go, well, can I have a horse that can be actually learned to think? Because equally the downside of the flight mode is the fact that if a pheasant comes out the hedge, they are programmed to bolt and think later. But for me, if I can get them to go hang a minute, think about it rather than bolt, for me, it's ultimately getting to where they can have a partnership with us where they ask questions. So even when they're unsure and they're worried by something that i can build a partnership with them where they ask me questions rather than just reacting and thinking later i want to have my horse having a conversation with me where they get to where they trust but also can think through and, and problem solve to the point that when they're on their own they can problem solve a bit more we've all had that sort of scenario where horses have got caught up in electric fencing and ultimately for me I know that if I've done enough prep on the ground I can help my horse not panic in those situations rather than them going I'm caught up I'm tangled that's it I'm just gonna and they actually savage themselves because they panic um rather than actually going hang on a minute I'm in a bind maybe if I stop and think my way through it the bind softens they can get themselves out of out of trouble and for me that applies on the ground and ridden of Can I kind of work with them in a way where it's a two-way language? um, It's a conversation. Relaxation is really high up for me in my kind of priorities. Um, Biomechanics, healthy biomechanics, I think, makes a massive difference to their emotional state. If you think about from a flight point of view, if you are the unbalanced one cantering in a herd, you're the one that's going to trip and fall over, which for them is really is really worrying being a prey animal. So I often see a relationship between an emotional state and actually what state their body's in. And sometimes that's just their confirmation has taught them to be a bit upside down and unbalanced, but they get really tight and worried about it. And when you show them that actually, if you relax, soften over your back, use yourself, they go, oh my God, that feels better. Um, so I think there's a real relationship also between the body um, and the mind um and it's just coming from all angles of going how can you have the happiest of horse and like Jenny mentioned at the beginning for me it's certainly not one size fits all um I have a variation of I have a shod horse I have a barefoot horses I have ones that prefer to be ridden bitless I have ones that prefer to be bitted um I don't like to put myself in any camp and get righteous about anything because I just think you've got to listen to the horse and their feedback and work with them in a way that that suits them and some horses need you to go slow in life some if you go slow you're going to bore them and they're going to take over because you're too boring so you kind of have to be more provocative and fun for those guys um and it's learning in us to adapt to what does that horse need all of mine are so so different and i the way i the way i work with one will be completely different to how i work with with the other and that's that's the beauty is so you just never stop learning i love that they keep kind of teaching every single day they teach you something and every single horse i meet teaches teaches me something so i really enjoy enjoy that side of horses
0: cool oh, that's just so nice isn't it to hear that you can and it's the same with humans you can get them to understand themselves you can get them understand learning you can get them to trust themselves you can get them to react differently in a situation so that if that situation arises, they are able to cope with it. And it's the same as the human brain programming and the, and the things I do, yeah. in that, you know, it's not that bad things aren't going to happen. Sorry, guys, <laughs> they are. It's <laughs> having the resources to pause, to think about it, to be logical, which they don't really yeah. have a logical element to their brain. They just don't have that prefrontal right. cortex. So it doesn't, it actually doesn't exist in that yep. respect. Um, But that you can stop them reacting out of panic. And that's how we want our horses to be, isn't it? We don't want panicky fight animals. They're not fun to sit on a ride. Um, And and I love the fact that you talk about as well, if we look at kind of the fixed mindset versus growth in humans, what I've just heard you talk about there is the growth mindset from a horse, which is I can learn and it's not going to hurt you know I'm not going to see new situations or potential learning as scary or painful or horrible yeah. and therefore avoid them because you know we, we love the curiosity in our horses and like you say when you go yeah. cross country you want them to be thinking and working stuff yeah. out don't you so tell yeah. us a little bit then about because you event as well tell us a little bit about yeah. how this has really helped you as an eventer because I think there is a misconception out there that as soon as you hear horsemen, horsewomen, whatever that kind of stuff is, yeah. that it is that you just spend your whole time waving around ropes and sticks on the ground, yeah. and you don't. You might ride a little bit, but it'll be on a long, ploppy rein. And you're never, and you might play about with some barrels or something, you know? That's such a yeah, mystery. Yeah, that's the one. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from people seeing the stuff and that's all they see. But what I love about you and why I wanted you on on here is because you you know you're a serious rider as well, and, and you bring this stuff in to really help with that. So you are like you jump stuff that's big enough to jump, you know, like so. What do you do and how did you bring it into your event?
1: Um so don't get me wrong, guys. I actually love nothing more than like sometimes wanging around without a bridle on um and like you don't for me, it doesn't have to all be it's like doesn't have to all be about that when you say horsemanship, but for me, I think there's a real feel of freedom of knowing I have enough of a connection that I can go up the South Downs and whip my bridle off and go for a gallop on the downs like I feel ultimate freedom and the ultimate trust. so that for me i I do enjoy that side of it, but equally it's not it's not all about that for me of. I often get asked the question of how does this transition from the ground into the ridden, and how can how can it help um, your kind of competition rider? Because I think a lot of again, there's often a miss sort of understanding of like, well, yeah, it's just kind of people that is back, you know, knocking around in their backyard that do it, not not your professionals. Um, and the beauty of it is actually, I am helping more and more professionals. Um, I've got a top show jumper who I am. I really ha- I take my hat off to her because she's. I can I can feel the shift she's made in her, and she can see the biggest shift in her horses. And often, actually, when I'm working with professionals, I don't always have to get them off onto the ground. I, you can start with this on board. It doesn't have to always start on the ground. When professionals have really good feel and timing already, they haven't got there for you know without that good feel and timing they haven't schooled to that level of dressage or jumping so it doesn't always have to be that you have to get off it's just sometimes it can really help the horse to learn something on the ground and actually empower the horse to have some self confidence on the ground so from that side of things your groundwork actually there's a lot more the horse needs to have a lot more self-confidence actually to do something on the ground without us being sat on board when we're sat on board we offer them a lot more physical connection and that physical connection can often give horses a lot of confidence and I'll often hear people say oh my horse is so much better actually when I'm sat on them and I'll be like yeah because you're physically holding their hand more you've physically got a seat connection a leg connection and a rein connection and." some horses really like that kind of babysit feeling and also sometimes they'll sort of do it and feel the fear anyway they'll kind of they'll get on with it because you're able to micromanage them through it a lot more Them actually when you're on the ground and you've got a rope between you it's actually much harder to to babysit them that distance I always liken it to like an elastic band and the closer we are the sort of your elastic band is and the sort of snappier it is. And then as you stretch it, that gets weaker. Um, And so the communication gets weaker and it's more likely to snap, which is then when, you know, your horse gets emotional and can't handle it. So for me, the groundwork is about empowering the horse, empowering them to be able to actually solve it, themselves build some self-confidence and and like i was talking about earlier that ability for them to puzzle solve and think through something um for like one of mine in particular i'm working with at the moment she she's a rehab that i took on um she is really quite challenging um which i love because she's already taught me loads and i do love a project um but for her right now i'm actually trying to get her okay with the water treadmill because it'll be really good physically for her But she is probably one of the most squeeziest horses I've had with regards to anything where she feels squeezed in. So whether that is above, below, left, right, forward, backward. um, She finds anything really hard down to a stable door is hard for her. And when I first got her, I noticed when I went to view her, she trotted, always trotted through a stable door. And I thought, that's not okay that she has been stabled for like a year and she still doesn't understand the stable door doesn't mean pressure so we've worked a lot of it a lot I've worked really hard her loading is so much better the stable door is much better but getting her with the treadmill to not want to leap off the end of the treadmill I've had to get to where she can think the treadmill's too narrow for me to safely go I'll walk you down because if she does panic she's going to knock me over because it's narrow. So I actually need to go you need to get to where you're calm enough to think your way down and through it. Now actually for her I'm starting to see all the work I'm doing on the ground is starting to pay off ridden and there's a lot more actually I'd say there's a lot more for me to undo ridden because actually her his her, her sorry her history of pain is under saddle. So um you know I I expect actually the transition that she's made on the ground has taken me five months to get to where we are and actually I expect on the saddle it will take me longer but I can already start to see the groundwork I'm doing is starting to pay off with the bits of riding I'm doing like I get more of a a subtle I'm struggling when she's under saddle versus her violent reaction is pretty spectacular and I I, you know it's not fun I don't I don't have that ego of I want to be with one sat on this big rearing horse, um, you know, that you kind of do when you're sort of in your 20s and you think, yeah, that, look at me. I'm Look at me riding this horse. through. Because actually for me now. I feel like I failed them. If she gets to that point, I feel like I failed her um, because I know it's not feeling good for her. So I'm already starting to see the groundwork's paying off that she gives me this little warning of I'm not OK rather than the full expo- explosion. And then I were able to kind of go, okay, let's try and have a conversation and work our way through this without it. So I hope that she'll become a competition horse. I hope we can kind of slowly, slowly get past um, the sort of the pain memory for her um, and the patterns of her going, I'm not okay. And her go-to patterns and starting to change her habits for her. Um, so I hope that I'm able to get her to where she'll be happy competing. And and again, for like my other horses, for me, it's about when I go to a competition, can they still be a partner? Can they Can they be relaxed and blowing out in the warm-up arena? I often think for me, the warm-up arena is I don't hear enough blowing out. I want to hear more horses kind of going, letting go and relaxing because a relaxed horse is always going to produce a much better test, jump better. Because if they're tight, that's when they're going to leave a hind leg because they're they're tense in their back so it's about for me of going how can we a enhance how the horse feels about it i for me i want my horse to go home feeling like a winner every time it doesn't matter what where you came on the scoreboard what rosette you got if my horse goes home feeling like they've won i feel like i've done the best i can possibly do for them um horses have no concept of where they've come but you can make them feel like a winner um, by just being really pleased with how much they've tried, perhaps um, that day for you. So for me, it's about going, can my horse go out and have a really nice day? And can I set them up that the questions I've asked them today, I've not overwhelmed them with. So can I prepare them through kind of the systems and approaches that I use that I prepare them so that when I go out and ask them a question in competition, they're able to say yes and they've not got overwhelmed or found that was way too much now with competition you cannot prepare them for every single cross-country fence they're going to meet you cannot prepare for every venue you're going to go and do dressage in what you can prepare them for is having a relationship where when they're not sure that they can look to you and you go yeah you're okay and then they go oh, mum's put me in a situation that actually I know she never put me in a situation that I can't handle, that I'm overwhelmed by. I might be a bit worried, but they've reassured me, and then they go, it's okay, I can try. And it and that can be even just strategies in the warm-up arena of, can I teach a sort of a pattern at home, ridden, that I just use as a warm-up, and my horse just knows, oh, yeah, this is our warm-up, where I get to stretch long and no, when I get really soft. And if they recognise that at home, being able to take that to a competition and using it, if they get there and they're a bit tight and overwhelmed, giving them something that they recognise at home, something they're familiar with, that they can get to the competition and go, I know this. I don't recognise anything else around me, but I know what mum's given me. I can focus on this and find a bit of relaxation and confidence. And the same with kind of, meeting a funny shaped fence I mean I think back to when I first started eventing it it was mostly logs and you get an odd like an odd flower bed and maybe a log over a ditch um and your steps and it was it was far less um far less technical but also I remember as Addie got older and went up up the levels and I, I remember thinking you're having to jump a log that was now carved into a squirrel or a crocodile going into the water. And there's far more, you know, they're way more imaginative nowadays. And Woo, in particular, when I first got her sort of pre doing any sort of groundwork with her, um, and I tried to compete her, I don't really, looking back, I don't know why. I, I must've, it, again, it was just, I didn't know what I didn't know, but um, it really blew her brains that, so she was like, I've just jumped a tire fence now I'm coming to a brush fence and now I'm coming to a log that's the shape of a hedgehog that absolutely blew her brains and she would just go no I need to stop and look at it it's changed I don't get why it's changed and I actually took her out of competition for a couple of years while I really felt like I got a good foundation on her and then after that I was able to go well I can't prepare her that whatever random fence might come up on a cross-country course what I can do is get my relationship to the point that even when she goes that looks different that I can put my leg on and go yeah but you're okay and her trust that I would make a decision that is the best for both of us and her not need to take over and go no I need to stop and look at it first <laughs> because effectively that's, that's them taking over when they kind of go nope I need to stop and look and make sure this is all right for myself rather than her trusting my idea was actually a safe a safe idea so ultimately for me it's about preparing them that when I take them out to competition that they can have as confident and positive um time as possible and no matter the result they come home feeling like a winner at the end of the day so that's wow, for me that, that's yeah, awesome. bridging the gap
0: yeah bridging that gap I love that and you've mentioned so many things there that I need to listen to that back again to go oh that makes sense oh that's that then yeah okay especially with my boy um you know always thinking I'm always whenever I'm listening to experts thinking about my horse and how it works with him and things as well um and so you know you did mention kind of ego for you there and kind of a bit about your mindset and things as well um to have done what you've done and to be doing it you know slightly differently it's not the norm it's your way now which is great and amazing and i love it when people come up with their own their own way what have you had to kind of go through and get through and and also you you must have had some accidents you said you've had some accidents along the way and you're still going yeah. how what have you had to do or think or be to kind of get to where you are today what are the things you've had to overcome from your perspective not just the horses
1: um so uh, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, I did have a, a really, a really horrific accident, which was one of those accidents where um, I'm lucky to be alive. Like this, um, this scar on my forehead. If that had been like a millimeter deeper, I would not be here. Um, and that was my hat that saved my life, and that was a hoof that went <laughs> through my hat, like crushed my hat and crushed my hat into my skull. So, and that that was on the horse that I'd kind of, and that's why I was like. Who's going to buy him when they see what he's done to me? Um, so, interestingly, back then I was young enough, and I still had the event and mindset of "you just blimmin' well get back on." Like, as soon as the so the I said to the doctors, I was like, "Well, how long till I can get a hat on my head?" And um, oh no, actually, I didn't use that. I didn't use. The, I was clever. Actually, I didn't use the hat on my head. I think I said, "How long until I can be up and about?" And they were like three weeks. So three weeks to me went hat on the head. Um, and immensely, mentally looking back, I really pushed myself through a ton of thresholds. Of I was like, I've got to get back on him. I've got to get back on him. Because I, you know, back then I was like, I want to be an inventor And that's what you do. i have got to get back on him. Um, and so I did. But it was like I said to you earlier, it was, it was not fun. It was not pleasant. Every little spook, I was definitely like, oh, stop it. Get up. Kind of thing and it wasn't fun or pleasant for either of us um and that was quite it for me that was quite a hard decision to have to back then at that kind of age i was 23 um i would still say my ego i really my ego really struggled with feeling that i'd let a horse kind of conquer me um And I really had to kind of let go of let go of that. And I made the decision based on actually for him. I really recognised I wasn't the right person for him. But then of course I still went and bought like Woo and everyone else had told me, just go and swap him for a quiet cob. You just need something that's gonna get your confidence back. And interestingly, I actually think I did make the right decision getting Woo, because I think if I'd got myself the quiet plod that everyone was telling me I should go and get, I think I then wouldn't have believed in myself again. Woo, woo, as I mentioned earlier, took me on this whole other journey. And I think everyone associated it. Everyone think I think everyone went, oh, she's gone to Purley because she nearly died. But actually, if I hadn't have had Woo, I don't think I'd have ever believed in myself again as being a rider. I'd have gone, well, I can only ride because I'm on my quiet plod. Whereas, actually, she gave me self-belief again. And when she blew up, I didn't have the history of she's put me in hospital. I was like, she's just blowing up um so so for me that um was quite quite a shift initially um and then i don't know if it is just something because you kind of as you kind of get older and mature but again kind of my mentors and influences that i've had kind of come in my life that have shaped my journey have really kind of allowed me to learn about being present and letting go of the ego and ultimately for, for horses, I really realised that it, like I said, I feel like I've failed them. When I'm starting a horse, if they go to bronking, I feel like I've failed them because I know and I, I trust my system that you can set a horse up that if there's nothing physically wrong with them, they can have a smooth transition from going from the field to being a ridden horse without having to go through that bronking stage and you know when you hear that horrible uh, uh, noise when they first feel the girth they shouldn't have to feel that they shouldn't have to feel that fear um if you take your time and you go slow and you set them up and introduce it gradually with you know like introducing a bareback pad just having a rope around their belly there's loads you can do to set them up and I think again I, you know there was a time, like I remember when I was in the riding school when I was like, you wouldn't be allowed to do this these days, but at like 11, 12 years old, I was the one sitting on all of the like newly started ones and I thought it was brilliant riding around a bronc. I thought it was, I thought it was fun and I thought it made me look really cool. Um, and I'm like, I'm almost ashamed to say that, but it's true. And, and you can't, you know, 12 years old, doesn't matter. But, um, but now for me, I don't, I don't look at some rider that's sitting out Rodeo or a rearing show at a competition and be like, Oh wow, you're amazing. I just I just look and go, I see a distressed horse that's trying to tell the rider something. Um, and that's not to say that that that's not me kind of judging because they might be working through a rehab, they might be working through something going on, and that's absolutely fine. But you I look across and I think that horse is emotionally troubled right now. And you can certainly look at the rider and see how they're approaching it as to, to kind of is the ego of the rider involved. Um, but I've ultimately learned we really I feel like we really can't judge one another of, um, you know, who are we to judge somebody else? And it's just about being present. And I, I've never met a horse person that doesn't want the best for their horse, but we might have complete opposite ideas but it's just where they are on their journey where I am on my journey and it doesn't make right or wrong yes of course there's stuff that on the internet that you're going to wince at and not agree with but you can look at what you don't agree with and go actually that's just what that person knows right now in their life with their knowledge um it doesn't necessarily make them a horrendous person it's just where they're at um so for me there's been a lot of that part with the with the ego of going actually for the horse's sake you have to let your ego go the ego gets in the way um and it will get in the way of your performance um of your horse's development so for that has really helped um and then of course yeah I have had some spectacular falls as well along the way of with the venting um Addy and I had a rotational um which really blocked me um it was jumping into water and she looking back on on what happened because again i couldn't i was like we had a perfect takeoff spot it was feeling fab and then we landed and she flipped one way and fortunately flew me the other way and of course as you do with riders you kind of want to know why because when you know why um and um, it makes it easier to kind of i often think move move forward i think sometimes the unknown we get really stuck like why did that happen Um, which for me actually was part of the case with the horse I had my accident on, was actually my saddle had been checked by a saddler and he hadn't picked up on it being broken. Um, And it wasn't until I had a different saddler come out to fit the saddle to woo. And they were like, you do realise this saddle's broken? And I was like, well, no wonder the previous horse tried to bury me. Um, And it helped me kind of deal a bit with my accident, knowing why it happened. Because at the time I had no, I was like, we were just trotting along one minute, it was fine. And then next minute he wanted me off his back um so it helped me kind of process and and understand that so I you know I remember kind of watching the video and going oh okay she got distracted she was you know she jumped over the roll top and then it was like a, a drop and you see I saw her kind of go rather than focusing on her landing and when she lifted her head she lifted one leg so she ended up completely landing all weight on one leg which of course then flipped her because it was a quite a substantial drop flipped her one way and me the other um and then moving on from that i then really recognised like when i was riding to a water fence that had to that i had to jump into i definitely was having that sort of go but go, go but don't go like i want to go clear but actually i'm not that keen on jumping into water and so when i had the opportunity to take on buddy i was like i cannot let this affect this horse because i know the level that we're riding at i'm going to be you know jumping into water and then um, so i ended up having some nlp coaching to really help me change my mindset of how i felt about water and it massively helped me in the sense of i remember doing it and i felt really pumped after my session with the with the coach and i was like oh yes can't wait to go cross-country schooling and give it a go and then and then I was driving to the venue like, has it worked? What if it hasn't worked? What happens if I come to that water fence and it hasn't worked? <laughs> um, and then I remember riding to the water and I thought, just put your leg on, put your leg on, ride. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so much fun. And, and then I was like, I want to do it again. I want to do it again. And it wasn't that, thank God I've got it over and done with and I'm done. I was like, I want to do it again. And I want to come at it and attack it and you you've got to attack cross-country fences um especially as they get bigger you you can't ride in going yeah maybe how about what do you think um you've got to kind of be committed um and so for me that made a massive massive shift um and you're hearing it more and more that all of our top riders have sports coaches and mindset coaches um because while it's not a round of a round of golf, it, it is massively, there's a lot of mindset that comes into play with, with our horses and affects our performance um, massively. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, I've had a bit of a, the horses have influenced my, my ego. And then there's also kind of been the bits along the way that's massively helped me have to go, I need to work on me right now in order to, to be better for my horses.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I knew you'd had a bit of help along the way there from somewhere because uh,
1: yeah. it's
0: really unusual to just overcome something like that by just doing it because normally, like you say, you, you actually end up practising the pattern that you don't want because the more you do something, yeah. the better in it you get. Um, and someone's got to come in and intervene with that. And, you yeah. know, and and that's what it's got to be sometimes. And sometimes it could be from years ago. Um, yeah. And you notice it's rearing its head again. You think, where's that come from? But it was just buried away yeah. there, ready to pop back up at that inopportune yeah. moment, you know. Cool, okay. So we've covered a lot of stuff, like a lot of stuff. Is there anything that you kind of think you would like to say or cover or sum up with or anything that you think really just kind of sums up what we've been talking about today for you?
1: Um, I think the biggest thing is is listen to your horses. I'm a great believer in listen to your gut. Um. And, you know, I know there's a lot of like people that go, oh, a bit witchy (laughs) voodoo. And I don't I don't mean it like that. But I mean, like we have a real I think we, I I believe we all have a real intuition that you have to listen to. And, you know, we've all made decisions based on a gut decision. At some point in your life, you would have had a gut decision about something. And you don't always necessarily get feedback. It was the right thing to do because you listened. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I am a great believer in listen to your gut listen to your horse ask yourself is it is it me because i think that that's where it can be really challenging is is when there's a confidence issue your your gut will be going don't get on don't get on don't get on and actually someone else can get on your horse and be absolutely fine and that's when it's like yes you go work with jenny like you need to work with someone to help your mindset or have a, have a coach that's able to recognise and have a relationship with a coach that's able to recognise and say to you, I think now you need to go and work on you, which I will often refer people to go, you need to go work on you about this. Like It's not about your horse's canter, it's about how you feel about canter or ditches or whatever. Um, so I think it's about working on us um, as well. But ultimately for me, it's listening to your horse don't be afraid to experiment and explore other options um, and adapt just because it worked with your previous horse doesn't mean it's going to work with this horse and I think just staying really open um, and even if you read something or you listen to someone and it, and it doesn't ring true to you at that moment in time that's fine but it's just kind of going okay I'm, someone sent me this piece of information have a read and, and you might not be ready to take it in or kind of go that's for me right now but it's just kind of staying open to to learning and trying other things um, and I think for me it's just being it's being present with them the more present we are with them I think the better um, they perform they are always in the moment um we have so much to learn about them they're so forgiving far more forgiving than us humans um, and I think yeah learn from them stay present um, and open and. Yeah, I ultimately believe that that, you know, pretty much anything can be turned around given the right time and and training, whether that's training the horse or training the human. Um, So, yeah,
0: thank you so much. It's been really, really interesting listening to you and I love your ethos. Always have done. And if people want to get hold of you, how can they get in touch?
1: Um, I have my website, TracyDuncan.co.uk. Um, so you can kind of see what I have available on there, have sort of some different options. Um, and the best thing to do is normally drop me a text or a Facebook um, message. I'm a bit rubbish with calls because I'm normally riding um, or training or teaching, et cetera, So the best thing to do is just drop me drop me a line um, and say hello and um, go from there.
0: And uh, you have got one course on horseycourses.com at the moment as well, haven't you? Which is all about trailer loading um and lots of sort of options
1: around things like that yeah yeah absolutely lots of online support and i have have an online little group that i started in lockdown for everybody and it's carried on because they've all really loved it but anyone can join at any time and that has quite it's initially a bit groundwork based because i thought i better be pc during lockdown and keep it to groundwork versus the riding um but yeah, has lots of videos and Q and As twice a month, where you can basically ask me any questions, um, and that's nice. And cheap and cheerful for ten pounds a month, but a lot of information for it.
0: Cool. And yeah. how do they find that to join? That is that through Facebook? Uh,
1: that's yeah, Facebook. And again, just drop me a line, and then I can basically invite them to it. So,
0: mega. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. I think I might, uh, I might have a look at that. That sounds fantastic. So, and you are actually based down in West Sussex, is that correct?
1: Uh, yeah. Yes, I'm basically on the border of. Um, east and west. Um, so yeah, I'm Ditchling, which is near Lewis. For anyone that doesn't know, Ditchling's like a tiny little village. So cool.
0: Yeah. Okay. And you do travel a little bit, but obviously you've got all these other options and things available as well.
1: Yes, mostly from mostly from homes. And if you're if you're local and in a real pickle, like you can't load your horse, then I will obviously come to you.
0: Cool. Thank you so much, Tracy. Uh, Gina said it's very Pleasure. interesting indeed. Thank you very much. And um, we will catch up soon.
1: Bye. Super. have fun with your horses guys
0: and I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did if you want to listen to more of them then please do follow us in Apple in Google and on Podbean Hack Your Mindset with Jenny is the name of this podcast so please do subscribe follow us and we look forward to you listening into our next one bye everyone Who got
1: you got this you know you're rock this. Who got this? you got this you got it